Hello and welcome back. This is Peter Melanowski, clinical psychologist and IFS therapist, and we are continuing with our summary of Internal Family Systems Therapy, second edition by Richard Swartz and Martha Sweezy. We are now on chapter five, which is all about IFS and the body. So just leading off, what do we have here? The body is the vessel for the parts and the self. That's what Dick and Martha tell us. The person equals the body plus the parts plus the self. And remember that in IFS, the self is essentially the soul, what would be called the soul in other models of the human person. Parts can decide to separate the self from the body due to serious trauma, danger, or other things that are going on in the life experience. In extreme danger or in trauma, one part stands in the breach and absorbs the experience while other parts can take the self out of the body. And that's adaptive in the moment, or at least the parts perceive that it's adaptive in the moment, but it can also lead to an ongoing blanketing numbness that can happen when there is this dissociation. Why do parts do this? Well, parts may not know that the self actually cannot be damaged. That's the assumption within IFS. The self can't be damaged. The parts may not know that. And perpetrators often punish children for exhibiting qualities of the self. Sometimes that just drives perpetrating parts of other people nuts to see the eight C's coming out in a child. So according to IFS, because our parts are the ones that take the self out of the body, the parts are also the ones that can decide to allow the self to come back into the body. We got to be careful about this, though, because survivors of abuse can risk backlash from protectors when they try to re-embody the self. Perpetrators did not want the victim self-present. We talked about that before. That can seem extremely dangerous to some of the protectors within our clients' systems. So one of the things that's vitally important that Dick and Martha talk about is that we really need to be checking in with protectors around issues of safety and security when we're considering re-embodying the self. Now, parts can use the body for their own purposes. Parts can impact biological processes. And this is not unique to IFS. This is something that's been known in psychodynamic psychotherapy for years. Body-based therapies are all focused on this. But one of the things about IFS is that it very much includes the body, as opposed to other therapeutic modalities which may have relatively little to say about the body. It's one of the reasons why I like IFS so much. Parts can be more or less embodied, Dick and Martha tell us. And what does that mean? Well, if a part's really embodied, you're going to see that part express its experiences, express its presence through the body, through posture, through gesture, through voice, through facial expressions, body language, things like that. The more embodied a part is, the more the body's going to be involved in that part's expression. Parts that are not embodied at all, totally disconnected from the body, are going to have a much more difficult time being known or seen through the body. So how do the parts use the body for their own purposes? Well, Dick and Martha tell us that exiles use the body to signal their need for help. Exiles hide out often in the heart or the gut or the back. There's meaning in the way that parts express themselves bodily. 
Exiles often know of no other way to get the attention of the person except by creating some kind of attention-getting trailhead in the body. Managers use the body to exert control because managers are focused on containing and suppressing and holding. They tend to show up in the muscles. They tend to show up in the fascia. So they're often more evident in the joints in the pelvic and respiratory diaphragms, in the throat, in the jaw, in the shoulders, in the lower back. Firefighters often use the body to distract from emotional pain or to resist constriction from the managers. Firefighters often will activate the central nervous system through the endocrine system, right? So the central nervous system and the endocrine system are common areas in which firefighters often express themselves bodily. Releasing stress hormones, that drives hyperarousal and hypoarousal, right? It can take us out of our window of tolerance, which is what firefighters often do. Now, I want to stress that these are not necessarily hard and fast rules. If you have some kind of endocrine-mediated bodily experience, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a firefighter. Or if you've got some kind of issue in your gut, right? could be nausea or some other kind of stomach-related issue. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's an exile. These are just general kinds of rules of thumb. To, and and it's, I think it is invaluable to note that different, different roles that parts play can impact how they express themselves bodily. One thing, though, I do want to emphasize is that there's always meaning in the particular bodily expression that a part uses. And we can find out what that meaning is if we can come into contact with that part with the permission of the protectors. All right, so how do we explore, how do we work to understand physical symptoms and their relationships with the the parts that bring them up? Okay, so first, unblending. That's really important. It's really helpful if the client is in self. If the client can't be in self, then obviously we'll be working through direct access and it's even more important than otherwise for the therapist to be in self. So the way we do this is we invite the client to focus on a physical symptom, some kind of physical experience. That's the trailhead. And to be curious and listen to what the bodily experience or the symptom is trying to say. If the client does not have sufficient self-energy to, to lead this process within himself or herself, then the therapist can do it through direct access, speaking directly to the symptom as a part. If no parts seem to be involved with the symptom, we can, we can, focus, on, we can focus on whether any parts have information about the symptom. What do parts know about the symptom? We can get clues from other parts. We then ask the client how he or she feels toward the symptom. This is a check to see how blended the client is in the moment. We we want to continue to assess the level of self-energy that clients have. That feeling toward is one of the six F's that we'll cover in chapter 10. We cover the six F's in chapter 9 and 10. It's all about how you explore parts. But for our purposes now, if we're looking at a particular symptom, how does the how does the client feel toward that symptom? We can also ask if any parts who hate or fear that symptom are influencing the client's body, influencing medical compliance, influencing anything that has to do with the person's physical life. 
The other thing that's really interesting in IFS that Martha and Dick bring up is that we can guide the client to ask for parts who know how to heal the body. And that might be a general healing, or maybe in this particular area, there may be parts that know how to help in this particular physical domain. So some questions to kind of clarify can be to ask the part how much pain there would be if the pain was only from a medical condition, only from a physical condition. You can put that on a zero to 10 scale. You can also ask what would need to happen in order to bring the pain down. If a part is generating the pain psychosomatically, there's a reason for that. That just doesn't happen for no reason. It's not a random thing. There is a motivation behind that. And asking what it would take to allow that pain level to come down is very illuminative because it can get to what the concern is that the pain generating part is struggling with. Dick and Martha talk about how parts can cause a headache or a stomach ache or muscle tension or back pain or nausea or fatigue or a pounding heart, chills, numbness in the hands and feet. Parts can cause those kinds of experiences directly. But parts can also impact the body indirectly by sending intrusive thoughts or images or bringing up memories into consciousness that cause bodily reaction. So it can be a direct impact on the body or an indirect impact on the body. We want to make sure we're always checking for the reasons why parts are doing what they're doing. We don't want to ever steamroll parts or try to evade or avoid them when they have these concerns. We can ask for parts to be direct about their wants and needs. Sometimes parts communicate in veiled language or symbolic language that might not be immediately apparent. We need to just encourage them to say, yeah, you can tell us exactly what you need, directly what you need. So if parts can cause such bodily reactions, they can also let up and stop them. And one of the beautiful things about IFS is that it has a very clear mind-body connection about how these things are related. And it's really elegant and really simple. Parts have an influence on the body. So remember that there might be enough tissue damage that full bodily recovery is not possible, even when you have really good integration of parts, even when you have a lot of self-energy in the system, even when there's a lot of harmony inside among our parts, there still can be things that are very much organically mediated. And so even with that kind of integration, you might not be able to have the body fully recover. That's actually fairly common. And remember, we want to listen. We don't want to interpret the symptoms. That is very important in, in certain models of psychotherapy, such as psychodynamic psychotherapy, where you would make analytic interpretations about the meaning of different symptoms. What we do in IFS is different. We know in IFS that the parts already know why they're doing what they're doing. So rather than uh, throwing interpretive darts in the dark, trying to guess it or make inferences about it, we want to befriend the parts in the system and have so much cooperation and collaboration that parts who know why they're doing what they're doing can just tell us. All right, so that is it for chapter five. I look forward to seeing you on the other side when we address chapter six, the role of the therapist. Thank you for being here with me.